Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Last Sunday, we walked through Sunday through Friday, the last days of Jesus' earthly life. And we ended about midnight on Thursday night. Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was taken to a high priest named Caiaphas for a mock trial. Caiaphas didn't want to have anything to do with that because he knew that the accusations were bogus. He sent him to Pilate, the Roman governor in those days. Jerusalem was under Roman occupation. And Pontius Pilate didn't want to have anything to do with him either, so he sent him to who was called the head of the Jews, the king at that time named Herod. And Herod didn't want to have anything to do with it because he knew that this was an innocent man. He sent him back to Pilate. And by this time, a raucous crowd had gathered and insisted that if Pilate was true to Rome, he should crucify Jesus. And then it began. Jesus was scourged by Roman soldiers. The scourge consisted of 39 blows with long straps of leather, and at the end there were tied metallic or stone balls that would rip into the flesh. Capillaries broke immediately. Tissue was beginning to be peeled back. Nerves and bone, and even internal organs. At the end of 39, vicious blows were exposed. A crown of thorns, consisting of thorns, three to five inches were pressed down into the scalp. And immediately, capillaries exploded. Blood flooded his eyes, his face, his beard. He was smitten repeatedly with an open hand by the soldiers, spat upon and mocked. Hardly able to stand. He was committed to carrying what was the Roman style of execution in those days, an instrument called a cross. And for a little ways, and he had some, uh, some help, and there he was laid on a crossbar. His wrists were strapped. Seven-inch spikes began to be nailed through the two bones at the bottom of the hand, the wrist. There were heavy ropes tied Then there was, through both arches of his feet, driven a long metallic spike. 
cross was risen and with a thud came into a hole, a receptacle. It was a brutal murder. This was not an act. As breath was oozing out, there was mocking that originally started by some of the other criminals who were being crucified. Then one of them began to see what was really going on. And he said to Jesus, while Jesus was still conscious, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That statement said, I know you are Lord. I believe what you've said and taught, and I'm yours. Jesus looked at him and said, I promise you that today, this day, not tomorrow, this day, you will be with me in paradise. Can I ask you something? When the day began, who would have thought that a common criminal would have been with the Lord that day? I want to tell you something, church. Never underestimate the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. This is, this place is a hospital for the broken. Not a museum for those who've got it all together. Because there ain't none of those, even if they think they are. I said there's not any of those. This is a place for the broken. And we're all broken somewhere and never forget it. Jesus also said, Father, as he looked on those who were ridiculing him, betraying him, wanting him to die, Father, forgive them. They don't really understand what they're doing. They don't understand the gravity of what they're doing. Forgive them. He looked at his mother and said, Woman, behold your son. And he pointed out the apostle John. And he said, Son, behold your mother. And the Bible says from that day forward, he took her into his own home and took care of her for the rest of her life. Two last expressions Jesus said, it is finished. To tell us, before he said that, he said something that every one of us are going to experience at some point in our journey. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may have never been there, but life can get so difficult sometimes to where you'll at least feel like saying, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? 
That's not sin. That's an honest expression that he's still there. You just don't get it. It's okay not to get it. Our job is not to understand, it's to trust and obey. Then he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. A very wealthy man who was also part of the Sanhedrin, very higher up in the religious hierarchy of the Jews, and they were totally publicly against Jesus. He came out of his hiding, and his name was Joseph of Arimathea. And he went to the Roman government and he said, I want to take care of his body. And it was granted to him. The Bible says that he had a tomb pre-cut that never had, it, never had incarcerated a body. Never. And he gave it. He also had a little help. His name was Nicodemus. You remember him from John 3? When it was not cool at all to believe in Jesus. And Jesus came to him and said, how, how can somebody be born again? How can they go back into their mother's womb and be reborn? And remember, Jesus told him how to be born again. He got born again. And when it was on the line, he came forth and he stood up and took part in the burial publicly of Jesus. That was on Friday, and it had to all take place before sundown because it would have been illegal to crucify or bury a Jewish man on the Passover. The Passover started at sundown on Friday. the lives of the apostles were shaken. This is our Lord. What, what about all that he taught us? Early Sunday morning before it was really dawn, some of Jesus' most beloved, faithful followers, Mary Magdalene, imagine that. Oh, you would have thought it would have been somebody else instead of a woman that got seven demons cast out of her. How many of you know that sometimes it's the, it's the people who've been forgiven the most who become the most passionate about Jesus? She came and saw that the tomb was empty and was so disturbed, an angel finally spoke to her and said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He's alive. Word got to the disciples as they were huddling for fear. And you'll see that on a video in a minute. Huddling for fear that they would be next to be condemned and crucified. There was... At, at first, it was difficult to believe that. But then, little by little, 
beginning on that glorious first resurrection, first day of the week that we celebrate as Sunday, Jesus began to appear first to one or two or a group or this or that. And then 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the the resurrection of Jesus was one of the most documented things ever. Over 500 witnesses saw him at one time after the resurrection. You got, a, you got a, um, a case in court? What if you had 500 eyewitnesses come and testify that they saw it? Be pretty powerful, wouldn't it? Amen. Lives were being changed. But I want you to know something here. Just like 1 Corinthians 15 teaches us, the resurrection is the game changer. Without the resurrection, we are of all people most to be pitied. There would be no forgiveness of sin, no resurrection, no reunion with loved ones, no power to live life in grace. The the resurrection changed everything. Everything. Here's some things that the resurrection did. Death, the ultimate enemy, is now defeated. Listen to this out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Listen to this. Who is he who condemns? Christ is he who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. I don't know about you, but the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, and he's a super lawyer. He's never lost a case. And he is making intercession for us before the Father. And therefore, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Then he goes on to say in verse 37, In all these things we're more than conquerors. Because of the resurrected Jesus, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. She'll be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every enemy that you could ever face, including every demon of hell, has been defeated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has authority and power over all. I want you to notice something. When Jesus was raised from the dead and when he was ascended, you know what the Bible says? That Jesus took captivity captive. The Bible tells us that when Jesus ascended to be with the Father, every demonic spirit in the atmosphere of the earth saw it. Can I tell you that one more time? When Jesus was raised from the dead... And then when he ascended to be with the Father, every demon of hell witnessed in the atmosphere the rising of Jesus bodily to take his seat at the throne of heaven and there wasn't a thing they could do about it. The devil just doesn't want you to know it. He already knows it. Because if you know it and you exert the authority that's in the name of the resurrected ascended Jesus, he's done So don't stay in a place of ignorance. Stand on the rights 
and privileges that you have through the resurrected Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The resurrection is given true ultimate authority in heaven on earth. I love it after Jesus was raised and right before he ascended. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. After the resurrection, you know what he said? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, Jesus said. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I pray this over you every day. If you are a member of this fellowship or a family member, you get prayed over. Every partner of this ministry, every, every day. Chapter 1, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, verse 18, in your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's what my prayers are, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that we'd know him better. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Isn't that an interesting word? He didn't say the saints inheritance in the Lord. He said what his inheritance are in the saints. Don't you understand how much the Lord loves you? You're his inheritance. You're his sons and daughters. He's left everything to you. And, watch this, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Put all things under his authority. I tell you what, Pastor, that sounds great that the Lord has been ascended, and I can't wait to get to heaven to really see the full manifestation of that. And I, I got some good news for you. Turn back to Romans 8. You don't have to wait. Romans 8. We've been studying Romans 8 now for the past 10 or 12, uh, 11 weeks. But I want you to see verse 11. Hmm. If the spirit of him, the father, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Everybody says, and he does. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your heavenly body or mortal body. Everybody say, that's the one I got right now. Did you get that? The Spirit of Him, the the Spirit of God, who it was the Spirit of God who raised Jesus out of the tomb. It was the Spirit of God when that Spirit came on Him. Death couldn't hold Him in that place. Satan couldn't keep Him there. The Romans had no clue of how He was going to be saved. The Spirit of God came on him. That same Spirit, when the Spirit of when the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus 
from the dead, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Many times when I don't feel good, I pray Romans 8, 11. Thank you, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in my mortal body. I know I've got to have an exit from this body. I know I'm, this body can't live forever. It's got sin in it. But I've got a new one on the way. And it's better. Jesus, Jim, I may have hair up there. Who knows? One of these days. Sure is a lot less maintenance though the head I got. I got to tell you that right now. Amen. The Spirit of God indwells, who raised Jesus from the dead, indwells our mortal body. Not only that, but because of the resurrection, believers have a resurrection body. Philippians 3.20 says this, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we wait for a Savior who will, trans- listen, who will transform our weak, complicated, sinful body into one like His glorious body. Now, what was the glorious body of Jesus? The glorious body of Jesus was the body he had after he was raised from the dead. Well, how do we know what that's like? Because the Gospels have given us witness of so many things that Jesus did after the resurrection before the ascension. The glorious body of Jesus. If you, if you read the, the wonderful accounts that God has given us in, in John 21, in Luke 24, here's some things you'll find. You'll find that one day the disciples after the resurrection had been out fishing. Out do, out, they went back to work. How many of you know sooner or later when you really get hold of the resurrection power of Jesus, you got to get back to life. The, the glorious body, the resurrection body of Jesus. The disciples looked out there from the boat and they, they heard a voice. Y'all caught anything? Y'all didn't know Jesus spoke in Southern Broke, did you? Caught anything? One of them said, remember these were professional fishermen. They were not novices. They said, fished all night and caught nothing. Then Jesus, and it was just getting daylight. They couldn't see well. It was mist on the, on the water. Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. If you're a professional fisherman and you do this for a living, what is your first thought? Who is this? We're the experts. And one of them said, I'm sure... What well, we have to lose? They threw their nets on the other side, and you've read the scripture. 
there were so many fish, the nets were breaking. When they got it up, they drug it up to shore. And that was good news. This, this was good news, Brother Joe, because fish were money to them. This was their livelihood. Jesus was already grilling some fish on a, on a fire on the beach. Now, wait, 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 no, this, this, no, this is the glorious body. This is the resurrection body. This was after the resurrection and before the ascension. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Your glorious body is going to be like his glorious body. And the Bible says he was eating some of that fish. So that tells me that a glorious resurrection body is functional. It's not some weird little flying around ghost. It is a functional body. It is functional. When they got there, they said, It's the Lord. The glorious body of Jesus is recognizable. Hallelujah. It is recognizable. It's functional. It's touchable. Remember what Jesus said to, to Thomas? Go ahead and put, put your finger in my side. Go ahead and look, 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 look at my hands. See the scars? It's recognizable. Pastor, why did, why did the resurrection body of Jesus still have scars on it? Scars are not an, a mark of ugliness to the Lord. Because there are some scars that tell a story that bring him glory. There are internal scars and there are external scars that because of the love and the grace of the Lord will tell an eternal story of God's glory. So maybe I shouldn't be cursing all the pain in my life. Maybe I should be asking the Lord to do a mighty work of His grace so that even those scars become beautiful in His eyes. God didn't redeem you to keep you from going through anything difficult. He redeemed you so that redeemed you so that your your very life could tell a story that brings Him glory. We'll have a resurrection body, recognizable, embraceable. Wait a minute. We're going to recognize those who've gone on before us in the Lord? <laughs> Mr. Jim B. Sr., you'll see him. Throw your arms around him. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, Louise, Chris is waiting on you. It won't be long. You know, uh, Lucy still remembers you, Wayne. And it won't be long. I tell you this every Sunday. It won't be long. Mm -hmm. 
Gentlemen, Jan, it won't be long. Mary and Bert, it won't be long. In prayer this morning, before Dean and I left the house, I just had to give a verbal thanksgiving to the Lord of the resurrection that we are going to see him in his fullness and we will see Bryant Stephen Franklin. It won't be long. Because of the resurrection. Changed everything. Yes. That's right. Changed everything. And by the way, can I tell you something? Now, after the resurrection, before the resurrection, you had uh, the Bible talks about uh, Sheol in the Old Testament and Hades in the New Testament and the division of those who are righteous and those who had rejected and, and the unrighteous. And, but I got, I got some good news for you for those who are in Christ Jesus. After the resurrection, there's no indication of any of that. It is to be absent from the body. is to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. I did, I did, I just, I don't know. I to pray for you every day. I, I can't wait. Uh, the man that used to sit over here on the side, he won't be long. Lisa Ware, it won't be long. Because of the resurrection, eternity, embraceable, functional, recognizable bodies conform to the very glorious body of our Lord. The undefeated spirit of hope. You know, if you lose hope, you lose life. Something dies when you lose hope. Do you know that there is an unquenchable, undiminished hope on the inside of every believer because of the Spirit of God? I love 1 Peter 1 3. I got it for you on the front of your outline. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There is a continuous supply of hope that is on the inside of believers if we would just connect through faith. It is a true spiritual force. But I want to close with this. The power of the resurrection means that the full payment of our sins has been forever paid. Amen. 
The cross paid the price and the resurrection sealed what was bought and released the power. The cross paid the price of your sin and mine and the resurrection sealed it and released it available to you as a believer. Because you see, if Jesus had only died on the cross and had not been raised from the dead, then the full victory of sin's payment would not have been paid. Because what sin generates is death, separation from life. Because of the resurrection, the full payment has not only been paid, but it's now been sealed and released. It is guaranteed. Death's power has been broken. I go back to this wonderful gift of forgiveness. In Luke 22, Jesus had had the last supper with the disciples. And Jesus took one of his favorites. I know he's one of the favorites because the Bible always talks about three that arose out of the twelve. His original name was Simon, and Jesus changed it to Petros, rock. And in the 22nd chapter of Luke, Jesus said to Simon, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has put in a request for you. Satan has put in a request for you. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, to separate wheat from chaff, Satan has desired to separate me and you. But I have prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. And when you come back to me, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Be about your ministry. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Simon went through great pain, great difficulty, great humiliation, great shame, great embarrassment, great guilt. Because he began to deny that he even knew who Jesus was when the pressure was on. Denied him. The Bible says he greatly wept. He did what Judas didn't do. Judas was full of remorse and went out and committed suicide. Peter wept and repented and came back to the Lord. The power of the resurrection of Jesus made sure that the full payment of our sins have been... And, and here's the way the author of Hebrews said it in Hebrews ten seventeen. We have a new covenant in the blood of Jesus. And God says, God says, chapter 10, verse 17, your sin and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. 
I will remember your sin no more. Hallelujah. Pastor, how could God, who is omniscient, forget something? Because he's also omnipotent, which means he can do anything he chooses. Because of the price Christ paid for you, he has chosen to remember your sin no more. Hallelujah. There is a song that Dean and I like called He's Alive, and, the, and the, the gripping words to that song, it tells really a story of what it must have been like for Simon, who had denied the Lord, to receive the marvelous mercy and grace of the resurrected Lord. Now, if you're like Dean and me, this song will get to you, and it epitomizes the power of the resurrection, what it must have felt like to Peter and what it should feel like to us. I want you to receive today the wonderful gift of the total forgiveness of your sin by the power of the resurrection. Can you play that for us back there, Wayne? I want you to listen. I want you to to receive this message. When When I see it and hear it, I can't even sit down, but you do what you need to do. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound, half in hopeless sorrow, half in fear the day, which find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Then just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle and a voice began to call. I hurried to the window, I looked down into the street, expecting swords and torches and the sound of soldiers' feet. But there was no one there but Mary, so I went down to let her in, and John stood there beside me as she told us where she'd been. She said, they've moved him in the night, and none of us knows where. Oh, the stone's been rolled away, and now his body isn't there. So we both ran to the garden, then John ran on ahead. And we found the stone, an empty tomb, just the way that Mary said. But the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. And how or where they'd taken it was more than I could take. Oh, something strange had happened there, just what I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high, because I'd seen them crucify him. 
inside the house again the guilt and anguish came everything I promised him just added to my shame when at last it came to choices I denied I knew his name so even if he was alive it could never be the same then suddenly the air was filled with a strange and sweet perfume Light that came from everywhere Drove shadows from the room Then Jesus stood before me With his arms held open wide And I fell down on my knees And I just clung to him And cried Oh, but then he raised me to my feet And as I looked into his eyes Love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies Guilt and my confusion Disappeared in sweet release And every fear I'd ever had Just melted Into peace Because he lives 
can't wait for you to be back next Sunday. Pastor Jeremiah will be speaking for us. Go with God. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.